It's March 24th, 2022, and this is your Ukraine Daily Brief from the DSR Network. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotnor. Our top story today, as President Biden begins meeting with his European counterparts, Russian President Vladimir Putin announced that unfriendly countries, which include most of Europe and the United States, would have to pay for Russian gas in rubles. This is the latest salvo in the economic side of the conflict, which has drained Russian foreign reserves and frozen its assets. Although this move would force Europeans to transact with Russian entities that are heavily sanctioned, there is a risk to Russia that Europeans pull away from Russian gas companies, crippling Russia's economy further. The White House has established a Tiger team within the National Security Council to draw up contingency plans for scenarios where Russia uses chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons, as well as if the conflict bleeds over into a NATO country or neighboring states. There is a second team focused on how the U.S. can improve its geopolitical position as a result of Mr. Putin's invasion. Read the full story in the New York Times. The European Union has announced an additional 500 million euro of equipment and supplies, such as personal protective equipment, first aid kits, and fuel, and military equipment and platforms for Ukraine, doubling their initial commitment. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said at a news conference yesterday that he expected that the alliance would move to double its battle groups on its eastern flank during their meeting today. There are already 40,000 NATO troops stationed on their eastern flank, which is double the number deployed prior to the invasion. Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett continued his efforts to mediate between Moscow and Kyiv, speaking with Russian President Vladimir Putin on Wednesday. Bennett shared his evaluation of the situation in Ukraine, considering his contact with leaders of a number of foreign countries, and referred to ideas related to the continuing negotiations, the Kremlin said. Anatoly Chubai has become the most senior Kremlin official to have quit his job since Russia invaded Ukraine. Russian President Vladimir Putin's press secretary, Dmitry Peskov, told the Interfax news agency on Wednesday that Chubai resigned at his own request, and whether he left or not is his personal business. He had been Putin's special envoy to international organizations since 2020, and was also one of the principal architects of Boris Yeltsin's economic reforms of the 1990s. There have been reports in Russian media that he traveled to Turkey, and sources told the Reuters news agency that he doesn't plan to return to Russia. The United States Embassy in Moscow on Wednesday received a list of its diplomats that were declared persona non grata, a State Department spokesperson said in what Russian media said was a response to a U.S. move ousting Russian staff at the United Nations. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told reporters that G7 countries would soon announce a unified response to make sure Russia cannot evade Western sanctions imposed over its invasion of Ukraine with the help of China or any other country. Sullivan said that this was not specifically about China, but it will apply to every significant economy and the decisions that any of those economies take to try, in an intentional and active way, to undermine or weaken the sanctions that we put in place. He said the U.S. government had conveyed this message to China, and that, quote, we expect similar communication by European Union and individual European countries, end quote. One thing that I'm keeping my eye on is how this threat of secondary sanctions plays in India. 
India is working to purchase Russian oil at a discount and has remained friendly with Russia throughout the war. The U.S. has tried to put pressure on India to change its position without pushing them away as a partner. The U.S. needs India to balance against China and the Indo-Pacific, but sanctions against Indian firms would likely lead to further divides in the nascent Quad alliance. Russia's highly regarded central bank governor, Ovira Nabalina, sought to resign after Vladimir Putin ordered an invasion of Ukraine, only to be told by the president to stay, according to four people with knowledge of the discussions. She is left to manage the fallout from a war that's quickly undone much of what she's accomplished in the nine years since she took office. The people said her departure now would be seen as a betrayal by the president, with whom she has worked closely for nearly two decades. Russia's main stock market will resume trading Thursday for the first time in four weeks, the central bank said. Trading will be opened for 33 of Russia's largest publicly listed companies those that comprise the benchmark MOEX index. Deputy National Security Advisor for International Economics, Dalip Singh, released a statement on Russia's plans to partially reopen the stock market, saying, What we're seeing is a charade, a Potemkin market reopening. After keeping its markets closed for nearly a month, Russia announced that it will only allow 15% of listed shares to trade, foreigners are prohibited from selling their shares, and short-selling in general has been banned. Meanwhile, Russia has made clear that they are going to pour government resources into artificially propping up the shares of companies that are trading. French authorities have frozen $800 million in assets belonging to Russian oligarchs as part of sanctions, French government spokesperson Gabriel Attal told journalists Wednesday. The European Union's latest round of sanctions in early March against Russia included measures targeting 160 oligarchs and Russian politicians. Janet Yellen, the United States Treasury Secretary, discussed imposing sanctions on Russia's gold reserves with a bipartisan group of senators on Wednesday. The focus on gold reserves comes amid concerns that Russia is trying to utilize alternative assets to evade international sanctions and help prop up the ruble. The Treasury Department has not said that it is seeing Russia use gold to evade sanctions, though it has made clear that the use of alternative assets, such as cryptocurrencies, would be a violation of U.S. law. Israel blocked Ukraine from buying NSO Group's Pegasus spyware for fear that Russian officials would be angered by the sale of the sophisticated hacking tool to a regional foe, according to people familiar with the matter. People with direct knowledge of the matter say that Ukrainian officials lobbied Israel to try to convince it to license the spyware tool for use by Ukraine as far back as 2019, but those efforts were rebuffed and NSO Group, which is regulated by the Israeli Ministry of Defense, was never permitted to market or sell the company's spyware to Ukraine. The EU will not allocate a number of refugees each country must take, the EU's Home Affairs Commissioner Ilva Johansson said, avoiding a repeat of failures during the last major refugee influx in 2015 to 2016. She said that fair burden sharing needs to be developed and would be discussed with the members on Monday. In videos shared on social media Wednesday, eight of the country's leading opposition voices, including former oil baron Mikhail Kordakovsky, Alexei Navalny, and former chess grandmaster Garry Kasparov, called on Russians to resist Kremlin propaganda and push back against the war in Ukraine. 
This comes a day after Putin's most prominent domestic critic, Alexei Navalny, was sentenced to an additional nine years in a prison colony in a fraud conviction that has widely been criticized by rights groups and Western governments. Russian forces have looted and destroyed a lab close to the abandoned Chernobyl nuclear power plant that was used to monitor radioactive waste, according to Ukraine's government. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip or topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at udb at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the Ukraine Daily Brief. So go to dsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, tune into Deep State Radio to hear yesterday's interview with Amy Ziegert about the ways the U.S. has used intelligence sharing to maximum effect during this war, and later today to hear a deep dive on sanctions. Stay safe and stay tuned to the Ukraine Daily Brief from the Deep State Radio Network.